evening, dear listener. Tell me, what do you covet? A good horror movie? A good thriller? Make a point to answer now. No, you will listen and listen now. Hello there, my little geeklings. And that was a terrible impression of Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> Welcome I to... I thought he was in the room. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Two Geeks A Talk Movies. And we are doing, yes, you've guessed it, 1991's Silence of the Lambs. With me as always, when I'm arm for, oh God, with me as always is my co-host Joanne. So say hello hey. to our geeklings. <laughs> oh God, <laughs> this is going to be uh, one of these nights I can feel up my bones. Right, folks. Well, this is one of these nights. Oh God, help. <laughs> right, then. Um, right, right off the bat, who would you say is the best Hannibal Lecter? Now we have Brian Cox. Um, from Han- uh, Manhunter. We uh-huh. have Frantic Hopkins from Silence of the Lambs and Hannibal. We have the pretty boy from Hannibal Rising. And we have Mads Nicholson, is it, from the TV show? I am going to say, so Anthony Hopkins. Mm. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. I mean, I like the TV show. The TV show is fan fucking. T- Have you ever seen the TV show? No. I haven't. No. The TV show is fantastic. I mean, mm. it's a bit weird, but it's fantastic. It's sadly cancelled. So, hmm. yeah. but yeah, um, I would say Hopkins and Nicholson, or Nicholson even, are uh, neck and neck. I would say. Mm. You know. I say Hopkins tops it. He's got that air of um, mystery, and you know. Creepiness mm. about him. That's true. So, especially when he's playing Hannibal, so I I would say he just takes it. Mm. Okay. Okay. I mean, for me, the worst one has to be the pretty boy from Hannibal Rising. He has none of it. Oh. You know? God. I mean, uh, have you seen Hannibal Rising? I have. Um, the only one I've not seen is his TV show. So right. I have. I have unfortunately sat through Hannibal Rising and thought, why am I doing it to myself? Mm, mm. I mean, I've seen this thing, what, four times now? I remember nothing of it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's how memorable it is. It's like, Jesus Christ. I mean, I've seen um, Manhunter twice, three times mm-hmm. now. And I remember most of what happens in Manhunter. Oh, I forgot, I forgot about Red Dragon. I forgot about... Um, Hawkinson's Red Dragon also, I've got that one. Mm. Um, I also seen Red Dragon twice. I remember maybe four things from that. I mean, like I say, the memorable ones are um, Hannibal and Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. I would say because Brian Cox was all right as Dr. Lecter, but he put him a bit, I don't know, too cool. Whereas Hopkins plays him pitch perfect, you know, yeah. like yeah. a sadistic um, psychiatrist. Um, who just playing games continually? So yeah, he's mm. just out for his own self gratification. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yes, mm-hmm. yes. Oh, right, right off the bat. Also, would you say this is putting trans people in a bad light? Because recently this is a, a rep for doing that. Also, so has, as I said, in our cycle podcast, cycle um, silence of arms has been now called as transphobic. So has mm-hmm. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And there's another one I've talked about on the top of my head. So would you say it's transphobic? No, I wouldn't say. Because let's face it, um, 
most psychopaths, which this and Norman Bates from Psycho are, um, you know, they do tend to have problems upstairs and sometimes mm-hmm. can be related to certain things going on in their life that just happen to pick gender identity for something to pick on. You know, because let's face it, if Buffalo Bill was gay, would we be sitting here going really clearly homophobic? Like, I don't think I would take offence to that if Buffalo Bill was a gay character. Um, I mean, different, but I mean, would you? If maybe. No. No. I think it plays down a psychopath route pretty well. They've just picked on something that's more. I don't want mm. to say that's the wrong word completely, um, but more easier to get your head around rather than anything else. Yes, that's very true. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, people are saying, "Oh my God, this is trans, that's from transphobic, this is transphobic." Everything is fucking transphobic if you have the right eye for something. I well, mean, if you're going to be, if you're going to find offence and everything, then yes, you'll find offence in it. But look at it in its time frame. Look at it as the way it's portrayed. I mean. Even um, Lecter says Buffalo Bill wasn't transgender. She was no, just I was gonna confused. Yeah, not, for... not even, yeah. It was just, what was it, a mother figure or something they wanted? I think, no, I think you're talking about, you're talking about Norman Bates. No. I think um, Buffalo Bill wanted to be the perfect being, and mm. he thought that would be a woman, but he, yeah. uh, obviously he was insane, so no to that one. Yeah. So, I mean, let's talk about I mean put it this way, there was the British singer from Dead or Alive, Pete Byrne, mm. who, for, who, you know, outwardly looked like a woman. He had all the time like a woman, but he still called himself a man. Mm. So, you know, just because you look one gender doesn't mean so you identify as that gender. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's very true. That's very, very true. I mean, I'm trying to think, the, the other movie about it's getting a lot of shit is um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre because a part of the other face is transgender. I'm going, no, he's not. No. He's just wearing a woman's face. That's not yeah, transgender. Yeah, and he's based on a real cannibal, him, who did, yes. I mean, he didn't wear them, but he turned like human skin into like mm-hmm. books and things. Yeah, he's based on Ed Gein. Yeah. Mean, so, uh, I don't know. I mean, yes, he's a bit effeminate and yes, he puts on lipstick and makeup and such, but uh, is he transgender? Mm. No, I mean, I, I I wouldn't think he, and it said in the movie, you know, he, even he doesn't know, but, you know, I wouldn't mm. say so. No, no. So let's I wonder about- if it's just the uh, millennials trying to, um, you know, run the country again and mm. everything mm. remotely. See, I don't think it's no, millennials. I think it's, it's, the, it's the next generation that's causing all this crap. Actually, for yeah. one, well, for one, I'm going to apologise to the millennials. The only time I will ever do so. Mm. I think it's the fallen generation. The what they called the what the Zoomers is that what they call them uh, or alphas or betas or the fuck they're called. Because it's them that's wow. actually causing all the, the chaos and such. I mean, mm-hmm. I said it once, what is it, seven billion genders and seven billion sexualities? It's like, oh, fuck off. Ridiculous. Oh, God, let's not even get into that discussion. Mm, exactly, exactly. Could be, here all, could be here all year. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm going to touch on for a 40-foot bar sprawl. So let's no. talk about 
Lecter uh, in his first outing in Manhunter. Now, did you have you ever seen Manhunter? I have, but it's been a couple of years, so we are testing mm. my my knowledge on this one. Mm, okay, okay, I'll just smooth over that one. So, <laughs> uh, Silence of the Lambs. I love this one. Silence of the Lambs was sold by Dino De Laurentiis, who owned the rights to uh, Red Dragon. I think it was the the, the original book. Uh-huh. Uh, and Hannibal Lecter, the character's name, he sold it to Orion Pictures for nothing because he was so pissed off that Manhunter tanked that he gave away the rights. He gave um, away the rights? I bet uh, he's kicking himself now. I know he's dead, but mm, I guess he was, yeah. <laughs> uh, this was the last picture, or one of the last pictures from Orion Pictures. Now, originally, the rights to the book was bought by Gene Hackman, uh-huh. Who was supposed to be in this as the FBI um, uh, head of FBI? Oh, uh, but I did hear at one point Jodie Foster was trying to get a, a hand on the rights to the before mm. right to the book before this happened as well. Mm-hmm. well so basically, Hackman was supposed to play the the FBI head. Uh, department head. He also supposed okay. to direct it. However, when he realised that the subject matter, he backed out last minute, so, mm. so they had to scramble to get a, uh, another director. Wow. Uh, because, He's not the only one I heard backed out. Like, there were apparently um, 300 people up for the role of Clarice. And mm-hmm. It was like well-known names like Cameron Diaz and thing, and then they all found out the subject matter, and we're like, no, thanks, you know, mm-hmm. keep away quietly and run. Um, so, yeah, it wouldn't have been the first. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. Apparently, most Hollywood directors passed on it until they picked up, or I picked on the little-known comedy director, Jonathan Demi. Mm. And basically, he made himself, he made his name on this movie, so we have that one. As you said, Jodie Foster was cast as Clarice Starling. She originally says no to this because she did the subject matter. So they tried to woo most of female Hollywood, including, as you said, Michelle Pfeiffer, who was uh-huh. going to take it, but turned it down. So they went back to Foster. Foster said, okay then. And then they cast Anthony Hopkins as Lecter. Yeah. Did you uh, know, I mean, well, you probably did know that, but did you know that Demi didn't want Hopkins to begin with? He wasn't his first choice. It was Sean Connery, who, oh, yes, like, yeah, yeah. the saw the script, said no. Yeah, yeah, it was Connery, but he says mm. no because the script was too disgusting for him. So, mm. so would this work with Connery as Lecter? No. Can you imagine Lecter with a Scottish accent? Mm, God, yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, no. It wouldn't work. No, no. No, no, no. Apparently, they also they were desperate. Well, Jonathan Jim Debbie was desperate to get uh, what was it? Was it Meg Meg Foster? And she says no. And the Meg Ryan, and she says no. So hmm. Wow. Hmm. So would this have worked with Meg Ryan? Ryan. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, the part of this movie where I felt that um, Foster seemed a bit too, or at least looked a bit too young for the part, so could you imagine, uh, imagine sorry, Meg Ryan in that role? Mm-hmm. By the way, have you read the book? No, funny enough. Mm. According to the research I've done, Clarice Starling was a plump 
woman. She's not mm-hmm. this svelte, skinny, athletic Jodie Foster. So, because no. mm, apparently Lecter had a thing for uh, robust women. Oh, okay. And so did Buffalo Bill, but not mm. as she wasn't like as fat, quote unquote fat. I love the fact how in this thing they they call the um, the senator's daughter fat. She's a size sixteen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh my god, if that fat, I must be morbidly obese. Mm, mm, yeah, so mm, mm. moving on swiftly. What's going well, on? Thank you very much. Not a, <laughs> not at all, Joanne. Thanks. Uh, I'm not touching that one. Moving on. I so just remember it's your birthday coming up, and I'll forget. Oh heavens! Anyway, <laughs> anyway let's do the nuts and bolts of this thing. So, with its twenty million dollar budget, this thing mm. pulled in a hundred and thirty million. And a franchise wow. is born, so Lentus must have been kicking the shit out himself when this game came out. <laughs> mm. I also won, was it five Oscars or something like that? So, mm. Yeah. So yeah. starring Jodie Foster, Scott Glenn, Anthony Herald, Herald even Ted Levine and Sir Anthony Hopkins, brooded by Jonathan Demme of that plot. An FBI trainee has to match wits with Dr. Lecter after a state senator's daughter is kidnapped by serial killer Buffalo Bill. Can Khalees Starling get what she needs from Lecter, or is she in too deep with the cat and mouse games? Well, there's a short and sweet uh, plot summary for you. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, I want to say, does this work, this movie? Because I've heard people saying that this is not as good as everybody makes out to be, but I'm thinking... This is a fucking iconic classic, you know? I mean, Hopkins is on screen for, what is it, 16 minutes he's on screen yeah. for? And mm-hmm. he steals this fucking movie. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, anyone who's in this movie, and they always say Hopkins before they say even Jodie Foster. And mm. she's in nearly every scene. Um, yeah. But does it work? I'm going to say parts of this movie work, and then the a whole chunk which is almost the main premise of the movie that i think could be just left out but we will get to that mm, yeah true very true very true i love the fact how they actually used quantico which is the fi training camp yeah i read that at, at the very start of this thing i'm going bloody hell so we're interested to clarice starling played by jodie foster as i've said multiple times she's running the obstacle course and that's the real obstacle course oh, yeah and, and she sat in, her and the director and someone else, I read, sat in actual FBI training classes and ran their course for real and thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, apparently for years, the FBI used this as a training, not training, a campaign video sort of thing. Uh-huh. Yeah, join the FBI wow. and become... Clarice uh, Stalin. Yeah, Clarice pretty much, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So she's, she goes to go and see the head of the FBI, Jack Crawford, played by Scott Glenn. And apparently he had a thing for her. They were supposed to have an affair sort of thing. And in the book, apparently she has a sexual relationship with him. But in this one, uh, do you pick up on this whole sexual relationship thing? Because I didn't pick up on it at all. No, I didn't. I mean, I just because assume- obviously... Um, Hannibal mentions it to her as well, and, and I take it you're meant to go, well, hold on a minute, but every time they two were on screen, I was like, yeah, there's nothing. Mm, yeah, true. Yeah, true. 
true. There true. was more chemistry between Hannibal Lecter and yes, Stalin yes, and that yeah. and something. So. Mm. Mm. I mean, you're supposed to believe that that uh, Clarice Starling is this gorgeous redhead, but I'm saying, is Jodie Foster gorgeous in this? I mean, she's a bit of a tomboy. Yeah, I wouldn't say so, but then I have been told my taste in women have a bit iffy, to say the least. But no, personally speaking, no, not in this. Not to say Jodie Foster as she's got older hasn't turned into a slightly easier to look at, you know, nicer on the eye kind of woman. But at, when this was made, no, I wouldn't have said so. I mean, the hair for a start. Mm. I mean, even when she, she she scrubs herself up to be the FBI uh, spokesperson, she still yeah, looks a bit, so. a bit rough, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's why like they'll say she's nothing but poor white trash. You know, I love that line. It's <laughs> it's um such a bitchy line, such a mm. Mm. yes, I also have done human notes that apparently, as you said, Jodie Foster ran this course and put in a quote unquote impressive time. Mm. So there we have that one. Uh, I love the fact how she's called into Crawford's office. Why was she I don't get this right. The FBI must have more than two female uh, trainees, by the way. You've got yes. Clarice and her black roommate, which I've forgotten her name off the top of my head. And that's it, the entire FBI one has two female Yeah, it's like, come on, even 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 in the 90s, there would have been more more than two joined up to join the FBI, surely. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's mm. ridiculous. So she's shown clips, newspaper uh, clippings and crime photographs of the killings done by Buffalo Bill, who's the active serial killer in this movie. And mm-hmm. then she's told, oh, by the way, you're going to face uh, face wits with Hannibal Lecter. And by the way, don't let that guy get in your head because he'll fuck you over. I'm going, whoa, she's a fucking trainee. And you're going to yeah. give her this assignment. Oh, my God. No, 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 no. I think, you know, at least started off on something relatively achievable. Mm, yeah, I do love the fact how he turns and says to her, by the way, he will probably know you're full of shit, but take this this um, questionnaire with you and question him and find out what you get from him because it's a, it's a long shot, but there you go. I'm going, set up for a fuel, why don't you, you fucking arsehole? Yeah. And it's like, why would the FBI have to start recruiting trainees to help try and get through to, you know, try and get one one criminal to fill in a questionnaire? Yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean... Like, and there's some outside party in the asylum that they could have reached out to and be like, look, the FBI need you to do this. You do it once and not bother you again, sort of thing. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. I love the fact how he says to her straight, uh, you're Lecter's type. I'm yeah. Going, okay, then. Well, because she's supposed to be slightly fat or mm. slightly robust, shall we say. I mean, or is it because she's a country bumpkin? Trying to be the big city woman, sort of thing. I mean, what does he mean by your your lecture's type? Your her type. I think it meant to be to And I get the sense that um, Foster is playing the how can we say it nicely? The less attractive woman on screen, almost. That the mm. makes lecture, you know, kind of screams something that it kind of it's like someone that's trying too hard. Mm. And I think we're we're meant to 
almost feel that with Foster that she's always, you know, never really going to fit in and never really meant to if it wasn't for this case. She probably achieved as much of what she does. Um, so I think they mean by that that she's almost too ordinary in a way, and therefore that mm. might be his type. Mm. Okay, okay. I mean, on the director's commentary, or what I read, I read it somewhere, and I think it's from the commentary, they say that everybody has their eyes over Starling because she's such a, a gorgeous woman. Even when she's in the lift, covered, coated in sweat, going up to see the uh, Crawford in his office, all the men are eyeing her up. But I'm going, is it because she's what a, a foot shorter than all these? Is that what the? <laughs> I mean, is it because it's 1991 or 1990 even, and she's the only or one of the very few female in the FBI? So I think, I mean, yeah, that's why uh, I picked up a, you know, I was like, I. I caught all the look in the left and I was like, well, that is clearly because this is the early 90s and she's the only woman mm. in the FBI. One of a, you know, rarity in the FBI, at least. Yeah. So, yeah. And like you say, I mean, she looks like she's about the same height as me and I'm, what, four, ten at a push. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, talk about Starling. Which one would you, would you think is better, Julianne Moore or Jodie Foster? Oh, this is hard because I like Julianne Moore. Um, I know I couldn't remember her name in the last podcast, um, but <laughs> I do quite like Julianne Moore. Um, but no, I'm going to stick with Foster. You, you know, she's kind of the original. Mm. Can't really take away from the original. Mm, that's very true. Very true. I mean, for, for me, Julianne Moore came across as abrasive and quite aggressive you know and quite bitchy mm. mm-hmm. and a bit of a know-all whereas this starling's a bit shaky and unsure of herself but then she grows into yeah. herself and becomes more confident as Lecter mentors her you know exactly uh, they have vulnerability to this one that is mm. almost what you expect from a trainee whereas julianne moore is a bit too a bit too self-assured for her own good mm. yes yes exactly exactly um, now what was going to say? Da, 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 da. So yeah, like I said, so so Crawford hands her uh, the questionnaire, even though it's a bullshit questionnaire, and then hands her an emergency FBI ID and sends out to quiz Lecter. Now what I've got, the movie drops that Starling is only in the top twenty five percent of her class. Yeah. She's not that intelligent, so why send her to mm-hmm. the most notorious shrink out there? That's killed dozens of people and fucked with many, many, many people's heads. Why send yeah. her? You know, I that's mean, a bit like sending a lamb to the slaughter, isn't it? Precisely. But I wonder if it was more a case of trying to get her femininity to appeal to him. Mm, well, that's true, because it does say in the movie that this is the first woman Lecter's seen in eight years. Yes. So, hmm, although I've always thought Lecter being gay. But maybe that's just me, you know. I mean, because it just seems cross as too. I don't know. I was looking for too posh, too polite, too up himself. Hmm. I mean, uh, I've never it, thought of, of Hannibal uh, gay, but I do get what you mean. There, have 
demure about them that it's not just meant to be sophisticated. So I do get mm. what you're hinting at. Mm. Yeah. And if it was the case that he was gay, then they're doing the wrong thing, sending a woman to him. But, mm. yes, you yes. know. That's very true. So she goes to go and see Electra um, and we're introduced to the slimy, smug psychiatrist, Dr. Chilton, uh, Chilton, sorry, played by Anthony Held. Now, this guy's a complete, utter arsehole. I didn't like this guy at all. He's a slimy prick. I mean, he just sees Lecter as his golden goose, you know, the way to mm. fame fortune. He wants to write books about this this serial killer because he, he will crack Lecter and become this famous author and such. I'm going, you're a fucking asshole. You're so mean. Yeah. You know? It's like, you can almost... You almost get that sense with him that he's already got his autobiography planned out and he said about how he's going to write one day about how he cracked the great Hannibal the Cannibal and it's like, no. No, no, you end up on his dinner plate. Yeah, (laughs) thankfully. (laughs) Yeah, he's just, you know, there's almost that um, when he's first talking to Stalin, he gives off the sense that I watching it felt uneasy. Mm. I thought I felt in the room, but me watching that, I was cringing and I was like, yeah, I felt like I needed to go take a three-hour shower after to feel normal again. He's such a slimy boss. He hits on her almost immediately. Yeah. And she basically steals and gets to fuck, but in a polite way, I'm going, Tim, get to fuck, love, you know, slap across the jaw. Yeah. (laughs) like, you know, you don't need to be polite, say to him, three long loser, you know? Yeah, yeah. So down she goes to see Lecter. Uh, in the fucking basement of the bowels of hell, was like it for the hell. I mean, what the hell was this this basement thing? The whole what was it? Brick? No, it wasn't even brick. It was stone, stone walls yeah. and stuff like that. And I'm going, what the fuck? With like cages and just to have oh. the guy shoved in cages. And then you got Lecter in this glass cage sort of thing. Yeah, and I was watching that going right. That he's meant to be an asylum, asylum. Mm. So. Where the fuck did they drag the house? It reminded me of the um the cell block on Green Mile. Mm, yes, yes. I it was does. like, it, this is like death row meets an asylum almost. Mm. Yes. Oh, but I love the fact how um Chilton shows her a picture of the mm-hmm. last woman that Victor saw as he bit out her tongue and bit her eye out. And yep. ate her eye and her tongue. How the yeah. fuck do you? I mean, that's just. No, mm. he gouged out her eye, but they managed to just save it no more. But yeah, he bit her tongue off. Mm. Mm. I was like, but. Mm, yeah, that's just weird. I mean, I'm going, how the hell did she. What was she doing at all? Leaning over his body with her tongue hanging out? How the fuck did he bite her tongue off? Yeah. Oh dear. And spot Frankie Faison as Barney. Mm. Uh, the old actor to appear in all of these movies apparently so they'll have that one yeah uh, as I says she goes down to the bowels of hell and walks past the other prisons prisoners rather and Lecter is standing bolt upright in the middle of the cell and he was just to Dr. Hannibal Lecter played by Anthony Hopkins now apparently Jonathan Demi wanted him in an orange baggy jumpsuit but uh, Hopkins says no. He'll have a blue pinstripe tailored uh, jumpsuit. So they yeah. compromised and had that sort of off blue 
jumpsuit. Boiler suit thing. Yeah, yeah boiler suit thing. Yeah, yeah. So, hmm, how did he manage to get that tailored? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I have mm. no idea. No idea at all. I suppose he's the most notorious enemy in there. I suppose he can get within reason almost anything he demands. Mm. That's very true. That's very, very true. Apparently, I've got down here, I note here that the cells were a set. These were a warehouse, apparently. Oh, okay. So this is not a set. And that glass cell thing mm-hmm. was... I've got down here uh, Hawkins's idea, but I don't think it was Hawkins' idea. I think it was actually no. the set dresser's idea to have that glass thing because the bars would always be too dangerous because you could also grab you and sort of. Yeah. I read things. somewhere that this was um, Demi's idea, the director, that he just he wanted this to show obviously the contrast between how dangerous he was seen compared to the people she walked by, but also because. The bar on that bus meeting, um, the intensity of the scene that come, the mm. bar of that through the bar would d- take away from the effect they were wanting. Mm, yeah, that's, that's very true. That's very true. I love the fact how she walks past four of the other guys in their cells and mm. one of them shouts out to her, what is it? I can smell your pretty pink cunt. I'm going, oh God, that's just wrong. <laughs> Yeah, I can I can smell your cunt, and I was like, e- yeah, everyone said that to me. I'd be like punching them. Yeah, really. that's just just wrong, for God's sake. Uh, yeah. And so the chit chat starts, and he quickly finds out she's not a real agent. How the fuck did he find out she's not? A real, is it because the suit looked cheap? <laughs> the shoes looked cheap? <laughs> no, because he asked for her ID, and he. Gets it, he put it right up close to the glass, and he reads the expiry date on it, and it's like, yeah, that expires in a week. You're okay. Yeah, but before that, he eyes her up and down and goes, oh gosh, she's not a real FBI agent. So how did he know that? No, he just asked if she was one of Crawford. In other words, if she worked for the same department as him. Mm, okay, okay. Mm. So she takes notice of his drawings, which are all done by memory, as he says, and. He starts to take a liking to her just like that. Again, she's supposed to be this great redhead beauty. And I'm going, really? Not cheap suit? <laughs> no. <laughs> apparently, this is where Scully came from. Dana Scully from X-Files came from. from was what? was Jodie Foster. The haircut, the suits, the whole way she, wow. she pulled herself. Because if you watched X-Files season one, two, and yeah, part of almost, three. They're almost identical. Mm-hmm. It wasn't yeah. until season four onwards she started wearing the tailored suits, the pants suits, mm-hmm. and the, the long overcoats and the such. But before that, she was all wearing like pen, not pen suits, but skirts and blouses and the such. And I'm going, okay, then. So you're clearly. Mm-hmm. This is why John Anderson wanted to be starring in Hannibal, but she got told, no, your TV mm-hmm. actress, piss off. And they got Julianne Moore. Ah. So, hmm. Hmm. Which Julian Anderson pulls off, whereas um, Jodie Foster looks like a 40-year-old woman in that suit in this movie. Mm, yeah, that's very Thinking true. Very, very true. So she pulls out the questionnaire and she hands it to Lecter. Lecter just gets annoyed at that. So Lecter gets annoyed at this and takes a sweep of her, calling her one generation away from poor white trash. Look at you in your cheap shoes and your cheap suit. 
sometimes you wear was it peach body wash and mum yeah, deodorant. Yeah, and they manages to like name name off the precise uh, type of perfume she wears as well, and I was like. It's impressive, and then they go, but you're not getting it on today, and I'm like, hey, that's fucking creepy. <laughs> Which I suppose is the point of them, but could you imagine if someone stood next to you and went, you're wearing, and then rhymed off your favourite aftershave, and they went, but you're not getting it on today, you'd be going, well, how the hell did you know yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, so you missed my little joke then, the joke is from Fresh and Saunders, where she goes... You wear peach body lotion and mum deodorant. Not today, however. So, because he says to her, was it you wear Chanel and all that stuff? And da, 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 not today. You're nothing but poor white trash, which was in the script. And apparently that pissed off Jodie Foster. So that's a real reaction. She yeah, she pissed. She, uh, she was pissed off at her southern, southern accent. Mm. Um, he felt like he was personally attacking her. And yes, your joke did fall flat on his... <laughs> I don't like French and Saunders. Oh, oh my God. French and Saunders at the movies are hilarious. I mean, uh, I, I looked up Silence of the Lambs and uh, Jennifer Saunders doing uh, Jodie Foster doing Clay Starling is yeah. eerily spot on. It's like, oh, <laughs> God. Wow. And I mean, French. I don't like Jennifer, Jennifer Saunders. I just didn't like the French and Saunders duo and some of the some of the sketches they did together that was like yeah. line between funny and crying mm, okay, then. okay then. fair enough then. fair enough <laughs> I, I love the fact how Demi uses extreme close-ups in these scenes as mm. if there's no glass there you mm. know and the two are, are fisting off against each other I mean I, I haven't seen this on the big screen yet but I plan to do so if it ever actually shows on the big screen but this must have been frightening in 1991 when you've it got the massive close-up of Foster's face, the massive close-up of Hopkins' face, and the lines he hits her be... Yeah. And I'm going, this must have been shit scared, you know? Mm. I, I mean, was... this was one voted the fourth Gary of movie of all time, so I imagine if we run about, <laughs> you know, within a year or two of its release date, it was voted that, so it gives us an idea of what that must have been like to see it on the big screen. Mm, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. I mean, I, I also loving this how much of a complete bastard Lecter is. Mm, this, definitely. He goes, "Oh, you tried so nice to be polite. You were complimenting my drawings. You were being this. You're being attentive." Da 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 da. And then you try to insect me with this dull tool. Yeah. And then here's the the quote of the movie: "A census taker once tried to test me out his liver with some fafa beans and a nice bottle of candy." <laughs> and I'm going. Oh, you're such a prick. Yeah. It's like, don't try to hack a how I'll eat you alive, literally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, oh, um, my God. I just, mm. Hopkins just eats this movie, so to speak. You know, he, he does. Has this, he has this entire movie. He does. I think if, if he wasn't in this movie, it wouldn't be, I don't think it would have been remembered any time after it released it. Mm, yeah, it yeah, would I mean, have been I, hard. I don't think this would work if it had Brian Cox repro- no. uh, reprising Lecter, because I don't no. think Cox has the the gravitas. I don't see that he is a good actor, but I don't think he has the the pull, uh, the, the the sheer bubbling menace. Yeah, 
As... There's just something almost quite Shakespearean about Hopkins that makes you when he's on screen. And like you say, he's only he's in this movie what less than less than twenty minutes. Yes. He is the one thing everybody remembers about the movie. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. And down for the bit that I could not stand. She walks away from Hannibal's cell, a mm-hmm. bit dejected. Yeah. And one of the other cellmates flings splooch at her, and it sticks in her hair. Apparently, that wasn't in the script. He was oh. really supposed to be short, and he's like. And he's webbed in his fingers, but the actor threw it at her. So that's a uh, real reaction of shock. What the hell that stuff real was? Shock, yeah, shock and gross and. Uh. Yeah. So Lecter calls yeah. her back and says sorry, and gives her the name Miss Moffat to look up. Mm. Uh, what does he say there? Look deep within yourself. Yeah. And once outside, Starling just breaks down. She just cries as the rain pouring down and she's got explosion on her <laughs> <laughs> <And>, oh. <laughs> I mean oh my god and then the next thing you see is oh yeah sorry so she goes back to a flashback to her father who's a town sheriff as uh, she's a little girl uh, I'm going okay that's a weird connection she's covered in spunk and it yeah. cuts back to her dad and that's a weird Mm, it didn't I was like, uh, uh, no, it didn't. It didn't hang right with me either. I was thinking if there an undercurrent now, they were without, you know, saying it bluntly. Or I was mm. like, what's that got to do with what she's just been through? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then it shows adult Clarice with the gun shooting range, with the gun right at the camera, mm. and I'm going, whoa! So she's now in control then. She's had enough of this shit and decided yeah. I'm now in control. We then yeah. have the montage of her training, including spot spot the danger and the blind spots and hostage yeah, situation. I can't it, hostage situations. Um, <laughs> so then we meet Starling's roommate slash lover. Hmm. Uh, what's her name? And Andrea. I think I pronounced her name. Uh, played by Cassie Lemons. Uh, she comes running to tell Clarice that Lecter was it forced the, the Stig guy, the guy that flung the splooge in her hair. Yeah. So in tongue or something like that, I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah, he um convinced them to kill himself. I mean, how the hell do you <laughs> talk somebody that's swallowing their own tongue? Let's face it, Mike says, you know mentally gone mm. and he, Lecter might be a, psycho, a psychopath but he's still a pretty damn good uh, psychiatrist as well mm. or psychologist one of the, um, so you know he's pretty good at talking people uh, talking is what he did for a living so he's pretty good at talking people into um, not doing whatever he, he wants them to do yeah I mean so he's so malicious and so evil that he actually mm. talked a man into swallowing his own tongue and killing himself because he threw spunk onto uh, his new toy so to speak yeah and, and, yeah. and, and at first I thought well maybe it was just you know being a bit maybe under all that evil that I have a bit of chivalry and if you know you don't you don't uh, throw sperm at a lady and then I thought mm. no something to amuse himself with 
Well, actually, no. Um, Lecter, so hates, maybe, Lecter hates rudeness. Uh, maybe um, so it could be chivalry then. Yeah, yeah, because in is it Hannibal or is it Red? No, it's in Red Dragon. He kills a flutist because he was off key. So he thought ah. it was rude. So he killed the flutist. <laughs> and <laughs> in Hannibal, he made one of his patients cut his face off because he was bored with them. Because yeah. he just thought, you're, you're going nowhere, therefore I have fun with you. Have some LSD and there's a knife and I cut your face off. <laughs> sort of thing. Yeah. So this is how evil Lecter actually is. Mm. If he has nothing, no time for you at all, he'll just toy with you and ultimately throw you aside or eat you. Yeah, because in Hannibal, he makes the guy eat part of his own brain. Mm-hmm. Yes. As well, and that, because that's down to like, something the guy did that Hannibal would have it like, yeah, that out of order. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, could be just not even chivalry, just damn. That's not hard to say with a list. Not even just, yeah, that, just down to just be heat manner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, Migs is a complete arsehole, so yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, so, show, was now did a Starling is looking up microfiche films of Dr. Lecter, and then she finds out about yourself storage lockers and she looks up miss moffat and here she finds the head of one of buffalo bill's first victims in a bell jar in liquids did you yeah. catch with the 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 eyeliner and the, the blush and the i lipstick? did did you catch that that is edward saxon one of the producer is I it know. Know. yeah hmm. yeah hmm. that's where that is that's his only cameo um a head of jar <laughs> Charming as I love how practical and no nonsense Starling is in this. Mm. She can't get the door open to the storage unit, so she gets her car jack to open the door. Because yeah. what was it the, the guy says? Oh, don't ask my 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 driver, he's a lazy bastard, he'll do fuck all for you. He detests physical labor, so she gets her car jack and jacks up the door. <laughs> I love like, that. Don't worry, I'll do it myself. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I do like her um yeah, I do like her um, bitter in the. Yeah, well, I see. So she keeps a composure, even though everybody looks down at her. Mm-hmm. And she still look up at everybody, but she. Uh, I don't know. She's now, was it, soaking wet? She runs back to the lecture. And. She asked Lecter, what the hell? And then she asked Lecter, where's your pictures? And, and he says, oh, this is little Chilton's punishment he took away for Mig's death. Uh-huh. Uh, also, something about the... I've got my notes here. The preacher on the TV set is actually one of Debbie's friends. So the whole fire and brimstone bit was actually one of Debbie's friends. So let's ah. go straight here. Within a day, she goes from running the FBI training course, right? Then uh-huh. gets hauled up to see her boss slash potential lover. And then he gets told, you're going to go face to face with Dr. Hannibal Lecter, the most notorious serial killer to date, sort of mm-hmm. thing. And then face off with him and kind of gets her ego bruised. And then she gets covered in spunk. Then she has to go back to the FBI training academy, go through a full day of training, then mm-hmm. do some research, then go to the yourself training, you know, the training, the, the yourself storage unit, 
Yeah. And then go back to see Lecter again in the same day. day? <laughs> yeah. I mean, oh my God, this woman mm. has balls. Yeah. And Jesus. stamina. Jesus. I mean, oh my God. Yeah. So during which Lecter asks if uh, she thinks that Crawford thinks for it in a sexual way. Mm. Because apparently she says, uh, uh, is Crawford onto her? Uh, are they two having an affair sort of thing? Because apparently in the book, they are having an affair. They're having a sexual affair. And ah, okay. on her with her wife, with his wife. Ah, so, okay. She says no. And she turns and says to him, well, that's something that Miggs would say. So she's playing him at his own game sort of thing. So they're now yeah. playing head to the head games each other sort of thing. and i'm going sweetheart you're well matched here no yeah and i was like yeah don't play mental cat and ball with hannibal letter come on you're just setting yourself up to fail mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah yeah exactly i mean i've got down here then discuss about the head in the jar which was one of his old patients and buffalo bill's first victim but, yeah so he must know who buffalo bill is then all right off the bat why is he playing he does playing ball with her I mean because let us remember he's a highly intelligent psychopath who'd been locked in a locked in a box for eight years so he's bored not just physically but mentally and he's now took the haha chance to a get what he wants and that's out and a to see something other than those those walls mm. uh, and B, to get some fresh air and C, just to have a laugh, what he called a laugh with himself, i.e. just using her, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so enough, enough, enough. It's I mean, boredom at the end of the day. I do. Like, yeah, I know who it is, but I'm going to make you jump through it before I tell you. Okay, I do have down here that he's playing her because mm. he asked to see the case files and then he plants a seed into her mind asking for a room of a view and not just a dark, dingy basement cell. He yeah. wants, what was he? He wants, he wants to see He wants a to view. see the tree, mm. yeah. Mm. So he plants it in her, her head that he's going to escape some scenario, but she's sort of too stupid to fall for that sort of scenario so hmm. mm-hmm. and then we cut to Buffalo Bill's next victim Catherine Martin played by Brooke Smith she's driving home late from work one day all alone and here's an introduction to Jamie, Jimmy Gum aka Buffalo Bill played by mm-hmm. Ted Ravine and here he does what was it Ted Bundy he did the whole could you yeah. help me get this this sofa in, in my, my van and then knocks yeah. her out because she's quote unquote a big girl I'm going a size 6 is a big girl <laughs> <laughs> yeah because he said to her are you a 14 and she's like you what and then I was like point. but can I just say yeah she walked right into that crap herself if yourself mm-hmm. ever have done and probably never won't uh, never will but if you're helping a complete stranger load something into their van or car you don't step into the fucking thing. That yes. And you've been kidnapped. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, like, I, I know he was, you could tell he was, like, <clears throat> moving the couch um, so that she would have no choice but to step in. But you would be like, yeah, you've got one arm. 
you go in and put it down and I'll put and take the weight off your apparently slower arm and I'll mm. push it. Like mm-hmm. common sense. I mean I've got down here in my notes that Buffalo Bill is a mixture of serial killers such as Ed Gein, Ted Bundy and Gary mm-hmm. Heidenick, that's his name. Gein yeah. would skin his victims. Bundy would fake injuries and behold the whole oh help me my leg or mm-hmm. my or my my arm sort of thing mm-hmm. and Heidenick would put his victims in five foot pits and starve them wow. so hmm so as you says Buffalo Bill tricks Catherine into helping him with the sofa by pretending to have a broken arm and then he whacks her in the, in the face with it multiple times I'm thinking wait a minute here you want her skin but you're going to belt her in the face, completely fucking up her face. Mm-hmm. I mean, what the fuck? Mm. I mean, we don't actually see where he hits her, so he could have knocked her on the head and knocked her out for all we know. Okay then, okay then. Okay, but then. one question I do ask, um, how did he get that cast on and off? Because he's not got it on continuously throughout the movie. So mm, I'm like, guessing that when he whacked her, it cracked the cast, he just pulled it off and just pulled like, it off. You know? Could make ten. So, like I say, she's now fucked basically, um, <laughs> and it's in the hole with a hose. So, yeah. um, so we cut <laughs> to Starling being hauled out of class to be taken to West Virginia to see one of Buffalo Bill's victims. That was just found that day in a river. Now, Ow. the river stuff is also. I think it was also Ted Bundy. He had a, a mm-hmm. habit of of weighing down his victims. He did, yeah. Um and put him in. in didn't um thing me didn't the guy that we were talking about um as well uh what's his name the guy turned turned their skin into books and thing oh yes Ed Gein didn't he want to took the skin didn't he uh, have a habit of weighing down what was left or at least hiding it in like rivers and things. I'm not sure. There's a serial killer from the 70s, I think it was 60s or something, it's called the Green... Was it the Green River Killer or something like that? Yeah. Uh, sure. He was also weighted down his victim. And mm-hmm. so did... Uh, shit, what's the other one? Jeffrey Dahmer. He had yeah. a habit of, of weighing down his victims also. Uh-huh. So they're picking, cherry-picking from multiple the, serial killers with this, this they guy. Yeah, and putting it all together. So... Like I say, so in the back of a small plane, Crawford tells Starling about the victims that were found and where they were found. He says that they're kept alive for at least three days and starved. And then they're shot, skinned and dumped in rivers all over the state. Okay then, how many victims has there been? I mean, wow. I'm going, how many people have been missing and you're now starting to put all together sort of scenario? So, hmm. Yeah. Like, how long has it taken you, uh, you know, to figure this out? And how long has this guy been at large doing this, you know? Exactly. exactly. I've got my notes here that they have three days to find Catherine Martin or she's completely fucked. Mm-hmm. Also, I have down here, I'm getting a lot of X-Files from this, from Scully's haircut and the dress yep. sense to the way Scully is looked down upon as a rookie agent. Mm-hmm. And then she becomes a quote unquote special agent. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Mm. So once they're landed, they're whisked off 
to Undertakers, and here's Starling profiles Buffalo Bill. But right, she's now a fucking profiler. Where'd that one come from? Yeah, I'm like, where, what? Like, how, since when? I mean, yeah. So it's not mentioned before that she was interested in profiling. Not no, once, no. and then suddenly there's, yeah, profiling Buffalo Bill. Like, mm. really? So then she tells Crawford, why aren't they taking up Lecter's offer for help? And Crawford says, because it almost a fucking trap. You're still a bitch. <laughs> you know, I mean, hmm. about why would she actually take Lecter's? Obviously, it's a fucking trap. Obviously, she's going to try and use it to a way of escaping. So yeah. is she that hungry for, I don't know, acceptance in the, the big bad man's world? Um, or is she that stupid to actually fall for this thing? I wonder if it's a mixture of both. It could be a sense of um, trying to prove herself and what we at the time a majority a majority male occupation, mm-hmm. um, and it could be a case of you know stupid. And she think at that point she tried to prove herself within her career. So any help is better than no help. Mm, that's very true. Because mm. I have down here that once they arrive at the funeral home, Crawford talks down to her or mansplains that <laughs> um, the body has been quote unquote sexually assaulted. And the sheriff then looks at Starling. As I said, she's about fucking five foot two or something, you know. And they're all going, she's a woman, don't speak on that sort of scenario. And then Crawford says to the sheriff, let's go into the room and we'll leave Starling alone in a room full of male deputies as they all mug for the camera. I'm going, really, mate? We get it. She's a short woman, but do you feel like she's a fucking child? Yeah. I mean, she's supposed to be your greatest, one of your best trainees in your FBI and you've got to give her kick gloves. Yeah, you threw her through the fucking line. Yeah. You know? So what what the hell? Why are you sort of protecting her? And then you threw her. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Crawford's oh, God, no. So then he had he had study and contradiction. But did you notice that uh, corpse on the table flinched? I know. Did he catch that? No, no. Oh God, it was so annoying. Mm. So well, I was like, can they not find someone who doesn't flinch? A corpse that doesn't move. Not the only one that, that moves. I, I, one of the cops sees a blink later on. When, <laughs> oh, God. When they're touching it to take pictures. See when the forensic had taken the pictures and things? And um, what, uh, about like the 45 minute bit? So, you know, about an, an hour before the end. And uh, they are taking, you know, pictures and things. And someone touches the cops' face. And yeah, it blinks. I'm like, like they couldn't blink. Hmm, interesting, interesting. I have to, do have to hear that what is with Starling's flashback to her dad in a co- in his coffin? Because she's an Undertaker's push, she has a flashback to her, her dad's death. I'm going, what the fuck? Hmm. This this whole dad thing is a bit too played. I mean, I don't get why it's it's, yeah, it's, like, too it's like being overplayed and under under explained at the mm. same time. Like what the hell? Mm. Although I do love the fact that once she walks into the autopsy room, she she clears the room of all the cops. What she say, go on now, get leave her some dignity and all that stuff. Go on, get 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 uh, we, we we'll go on now, get and all that stuff. I'm going, they're no fucking sheep, <laughs> they're men. <laughs> <laughs> All out, nothing. A single file. Bah. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. 
So once the room is empty, Clarice smears... What is that stuff she puts under her nose? Is it a vapour rub? Oh, I have no idea. Or Vaseline? As I think the... it meant to be um, Vaseline. Mm. As the body bag is opened up, that stench must have been horrendous. Well, she was in a, in a oh. lake, in the, in, the lake, in the river for several days at least, for crying out loud. I mean, in theory, she should have bloated up to at least double the size because that's what mm. happened to body underwater. But, you know... Yeah, that's very true, very true. I've got down here, the dead body is actually a real woman, so she was a real woman. Also, a size 14 in America is a size 18 in Britain. Uh-huh. So we have that one. Uh, and apparently the diamond shapes are gummy bears. Yeah. So they've had that one also. <laughs> hmm. I um, also had that, see, the uh, the pupa can they take out of her hymen. That was me. Um, it was basically edible in case the mm-hmm. the actress accidentally swallowed it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've got it down here. You just stole my bloody stole my thunder. <laughs> Sorry. Mm. Sorry. I'll just so, sit here and shut up. <laughs> no, no, no. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> so, Cody starts her report. Why is she taking the fucking report? Shouldn't I mean? Just suppose she's the quote unquote secretary to Crawford. I think that's why Crawford. Mm place her as nothing but a secretary and you take notes now take the glory sort of scenario yeah saying she's not local as she has glitter nail polish and her heels her ears have been pierced three times therefore she's a bit of a loose woman <laughs> okay then so the pictures are taken of her teeth and starting to notice something in her throat and i'm going how the hell did you see that thing down in her throat yet yeah, the photographer didn't see that yeah so mm, and then Starling pulls out a moth cocoon. And I'm going, okay then. I also don't have notes. The wounds were gummy bears. And they were coated in KY to stick to her semi-naked body. Also, the cocoon was a Tootsie Roll and gummy bear mix. The everything yeah. was removed from the actress. She threw up on the set. Oh, so that must have been fun. As it's rammed in her throat. <laughs> that must have been a laugh, eh? Highlight yeah. of a career there. Yeah, that must be fine, fine, and dozy. Mm. So Starling takes the moth cocoon to some bug specialist she knows, and she introduced to her boyfriend apparently because apparently they two have a love affair. I'm going. Okay, did you catch that? No. I I caught what it was meant to be, but at the same time I was like, I'm not seeing that. I'm not believing that. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, as as I said earlier, everybody's supposed to think that Clay Stalin is this gorgeous redhead beauty. Yeah. And I'm, I don't see myself, and he's supposed to be the actual boyfriend. But as I said in the book, she has an affair with Crawford, so uh, it's also implied here that there's sexual feelings. So uh, I don't know. I'm not sure myself. Um. So amongst the geeks, they're playing chess with bugs, as you do, mm-hmm. and. Khalees gets hit, so, hit on even by these geeks. Now, is every man trying to get to her knickers? <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> I mean, I just get it myself. Even I mean, like, again, it gets back to she meant to be... A redhead beauty, you know? Yeah, she meant to be more attractive than what she appears. Um, so it could be that... Hmm, I suppose. That I do and not just, you know, 
Jodie Foster. Mm. Mm. I just see myself. I mean, she's supposed to be this great redhead beauty, and she's supposed to be like uh, to catch every every man's eye, even these geeks. But mm. I don't know. I don't maybe somebody uh, Foster's playing it. I mean, I just don't get. Maybe. She's this alluring beauty sort of thing. I mean, I, I don't get yeah. it myself. No, so neither I do I. That's why I think it more uh, they're reacting against what they were told and not the way Foster playing the character. Mm. I suppose that's true. Um, so these geeks tell her that the moth is a dead death head. I can't speak. Death <laughs> head moth, which is imported from Asia. And this one is well fed with honey and nightshade. So maybe you should track down the import-export stuff. Mm. So why did you not give, give that to fucking the effective dudes instead of her doing it then? I don't know. Uh, so, more about maybe it comes down to at the end she'll think she'll get more prey and how can you say it nicely? You know, her career will jump more skip a few stages if she is mm. all the great work yeah yeah i mean in hannibal it suggested that she was a media whore you know uh once it's before bill case mm-hmm. she, she went special agent then she was the the fbi darling for a few years then she's done like the complete fucking upward on arse bitch and this is why she was pulled down so fast in, in hannibal uh, once the that FBI sting goes wrong, she she shoots at the the drug dealer with the the baby in her hand, and then use that as an excuse to grenade her because she was a complete bitch. So yeah. now we have that one. Mm. Um. So then it cuts to Buffalo Bill's den with hundreds of these moths flying around, and we see Bill sitting at a sewing machine naked, sewing something as we hear Catherine's screams. Ooh, Kieran! That's what I've got down here. Is ooh, Kieran. Yeah, that was my thought. Exactly, was like, okay. Mm-hmm. As on TV, Catherine's mother, Ruth Martin, played by Diane Baker, pleads for her release of her daughter, seeing her name over and over again. And apparently, that is what the FI tell you to do if you get kidnapped. Person, they tell you to, to speak the person's name over and over again because that will personalise the person, uh, so the killer will potentially not see her or him as an object but more as a human and it'll be harder ah. to kill so there we have that one so That's with that interesting. yes yeah yeah, yeah. Mm. psychology yeah. Um, because apparently it's a lot harder to kill somebody once you know the person's name and once you know what is they're actually a human being and not an object you know so mm. yeah mm. so with that styling runs to speak to Elector yet again, much to Dr. Sheldon's protest, she just hands on word of her boss and just walks down. Yeah, I mean, I was like, I was watching that going, You can no authority in that building, what are you doing? Yeah, your FBI fucking pass runs out in what six days, seven, mm. days? no, five days or something. That's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, I don't like Foster's where she plays. Styling here, she plays her too uh, aggressive, you know. Yeah, I I agree that she there are times throughout this movie where she does play her as as if she's already passed the academy and she already has fully fledged FBI, you know, special agent, and you're like, yeah, 
you're not, you know, like you're still, you're still a trainee. You're still one step below being the tea lady right now. One step above, sorry, being the tea mm-hmm. lady right now. So um, don't try flinging your weight about just yet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is ridiculous. This, I was going, you are not the greatest agent no. in, the, in your class because you're, no. as, you're the top 25. You're not even the top five. You're a top 25. Mm. You are basically looked down upon up everybody who either want to fuck you or they want to tell you to get to fuck. Yeah. So, I mean, where'd you get the balls to tell children to go and fuck himself here? That's my boss's number four in that one. And then storm down to the basement. I'm going, it's a fucking high security prison in essence. It's not a fucking, I don't know, drive through. <laughs> you just can't pop Yeah, I'm like, mm. I'm, I'm like, they have, you know, the most dangerous men in America and you're like, let me buy. Like, you know. Yeah, yeah. Personally, I'd be kicking and screaming not to be anywhere near them, not to get at them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is what I don't get. You're supposed to believe that she was sheepish and shy and terrified to do this at first. And now she's down there, what is that, three times in a matter of, what, three days, two days? Yeah. So. Now mm, she can't stay away. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. This is just, this part doesn't work for me because... Foster plays it too cocky and too aggressive. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now, either that uh, bad editing for time scale, she mm. um, acting to make her look more, like she's more um, qualified than she is, or mm. um, what's her name, Clary, who's got the hot for a man behind glass? Possibly. Like, Possibly. Pick one. <laughs> you know? Or... As you said, she wants uh, Fast Tracks to be this great yeah. FBI agent because, as Halector says to her, uh, you have went all the way to the FBI. Mm. You know, uh, the whole, yeah. you're not away from your trailer trash sort of scenario, but you're not that far away from the the bottom. So she's clawed herself up to become the FBI agent. And now she wants to she'll do anything to become this perfect agent. So maybe this is why she's such a out and out bitching this bit. Yeah. So here we are. Here we have it. Clarice steps over the bounds again as she hands over the case files and offers Lecter the deal. If he helps her um, get um, the victim back, he, she will get him away from Chilton and placed in Plum Island where he can walk on the beach and go swimming in the sea with armed guards watching but of course and yeah. he will be placed just outside New York for the rest of his life I'm going okay then and here we have the quid pro quo stuff where Lictor gets personal information from her even though she was told don't give him any information what does she do she gives him information I mean once again she's out of her fucking league here she's only a bloody trainee yeah I mean that'd be like um, She's not in any position to be promising that. Hmm. Yes, I mean, obviously this is this is this was um, Lex's idea was use this idiot to go, and she falls for it because she's a fucking power hungry, fame hungry, I want out of this life persona sort of thing. Um, yeah. So hmm. Come back uh, to trying to a uh, fast track, a uh, fast track her career again 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And this is where she tells Lictor about the lambs that were screaming in the late at night in Osmolarchy. And when she was a kid, she stole one, but she couldn't, it was too heavy to run and blah, 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 blah. And now Lictor has a way in. And mm-hmm. Lictor starts to soften around her and tries to respect her, even though he's using her because she's a fucking idiot and she doesn't see this thing. She just sees yeah. this as, oh my God, I can get out of this life and I can have a whole new life sort of thing. Yeah, so, hmm. and she has done the one thing, one of the things that Crawford told her not to do, and she has told Letta about herself. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I never heard of the phrase, don't give them an inch, because they'll take a mile. Yes, yes, yes exactly, exactly. I mean, she's so desperate to get away from her poor white trash existence that she will literally... Make a deal with the devil. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, mm, mm. And here, Lecter lets slip that Buffalo Bill wants to transform into something beautiful. I mean, he'd be transsexual. Now, this caused a scandal in 1991 when this was first released that transsexuals are not killers. Uh, they're indeed peaceful people and would not actually kill anybody and not actually harm anybody. Again, this is the whole... Uh, same thing with cycles going through the oh my god cycles transphobic this is now transphobic and as i say texture is now transphobic but i'm going he isn't transgender you know no he's not he's a killer who's using the excuse oh i want to be a woman to kill mm-hmm. <laughs> in essence i mean hmm. yeah he's not he's not transgender he's not transsexual he's just you know he found a cloth that he can use as an excuse um, and he's running with it. Mm. In theory, he's just got a, you know, a poncho on for killing women. He gets off yeah. on that more than he gets off on, you know, or more than he has any desire to be a woman. Yeah, because doesn't let us say that the head in the jar was his boyfriend and he was a muscle gym bunny? So like muscle Mary and Buffalo Bill got bored with him, so he brained him with a, a dumbbell and cut his head off and put it in the, in the jar as his yeah. first victim, the first trophy. This is where she says, everybody, every killer keeps a trophy. I didn't. I ate mines. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And I was going, love, you are well out of your fucking league. What the hell are you doing? Yeah, like that at the moment you should have been going back to Crawford and going, do you know what? You need to give the key to someone more qualified. Mm, yeah, yeah. But no, she tells Lecter about the, as I said earlier, the screaming lambs and then explains how she ran away from her mother's cousin because the father was shot during patrol because he's the sheriff of that town. So I'm going, where was your mother then? You know, where was your granny? Sort of thing. Do you have any other uncles? You had to go to your cousin? Yeah. So... Uh, that's a sort of grey area you, yeah exactly it's like with there no other closely related relative you could have went to that you know they didn't have to palm you off to a cousin but mm. um, and once again Dr Chilton is a complete prick as he taunts Lictor saying he was played there was no deal what a smug arrogant little prick this guy is you know I mean yeah Oh my god! Now what the hell was was Lecter wearing? Was that a baseball shield thing he had around his face? 
Uh, yeah, it kind of looked, it kind of looks like it, didn't it? Mm. With um, yeah, with the mouth guard thing, I have no idea what that was meant to be. Mm-hmm. So we cut to Buffalo Bill, and uh, this is the lotion scene. As it puts the lotion in the basket, it gets the hole. Um, <laughs> as we find out, Catherine is in the bottom of a well being held. Also, Buffalo Bill has a dog, Precious, which is the only thing he truly loves. And also, note that dog is the same dog in Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Ah. Now we have that one. The little poodle thing. Uh, also, right. apparently, this thing is a set. This was a three-story set, and that actress was actually in that hole, so to speak. Oh, wow. Um, There was a trap door or something like that, but apparently, as soon as the door shut, she felt claustrophobic. She felt terrified. So that's her real reaction. Yeah. Apparently, apparently it fucked her mind for years later. <laughs> I'm not surprised I'm claustrophobic. You put me in there f- for anything, and yeah. You would wake up to me sitting at the bottom in a puddle of sweat and shame. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So Catherine pleads to be left left alone and let out. And mm-hmm. Bill stabs at her, saying she'll do what she's told or she'll get the hose as he lowers down a basket full of lotion. And this causes her to scream as there's nails on the wall from previous victims. And I love the fact that Buffalo Bill mocks her. You know, he, he sits and, like, copies her sort of thing. But he's, like, pulling his T-shirt as if he's got boobs and screams louder and higher than than she is. So the louder she screams, the louder he screams, and the higher she goes, the higher <laughs> he goes. I'm going, you're a complete sick bastard. You know? Yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, you're enjoying that, you see. <laughs> yeah, sadistic prick. I mean, mm, honest to God. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I was going... There's one thing being kept in a in a nine foot hole, but do you have to mock her like that? You sick fuck. Dear oh dear. So on to Chilton who openly mocks Lecter, telling him the deal is made up by Starling. And I'm going, okay then, as this is ultimately Chilton Chilton's downfall. As Lecter uh-huh. steals his gold pen. Now I'm going, how the fuck did he get that pen? I mean, he's in a street jacket on a, a cargo jack with a fucking, yeah. like a baseball helmet mask sort of thing, an umpire mask on his face. How the fuck did he get that, that pen? I have no idea, but I'm guessing even Harry Houdini wants to know how he did that one. Mm-hmm. I've got down here, Jonathan Demi wanted that guard grill to be used throughout the movie, but this was a one and only time because... Um, Hopkins hated wearing it because it squished yeah. his nose too much. So hmm. Yeah, it was uncomfy. And it mm. looked uncomfy as well. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So Lecter is then taken to see uh Cynthia Martin. And I love Lecter just goes, Love the suit. <laughs> <You know? laughs> oh my god. And he goes, How does it feel knowing that once your daughter dies, you'll know you'll feel her on her nipples. I'm going, oh, that's cold. I mean, <laughs> he's such an, oh, such an arse like. I mean, it made me bad, but uh, laugh, but it was one of those lines in the movie that I felt bad for laughing at. I was like, oh, shouldn't find that funny. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, and spot Roger Corman as the head of the FBI, apparently. 
as he calls to tell Crawford about Lecter's deal. Ah. Uh, so under heavy guard, he meets uh, Santa Martin in the new mask, which apparently was a lot comfier to, to wear. Ah, okay. Apparently it was supposed to be leather, but it was made last minute, so didn't have time to, to give it leather, so to have this fire, finished fiberglass look. And boom! An icon's now made! You know, how simple <laughs> was that? The million of tattoo idea had now made in an instant. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And as I said, like the points are saying, love the suits. You know, it's like, oh, you're such a prick. <laughs> and then feeds her false names in order to get out because Chilton's a complete arsewipe. Mm. And I'm going, was this Chilton's fault? I think Chilton was torturing Lecter for years on end then, trying to break him. And, and Yeah, because the second time we see Lecter, um, and just after he convinced Mick to kill himself, he's sitting in a dark... Um, cell. He's not got any drone or any equipment to draw with, and they've got like the religious channel on loop and up high, like mm. the volume up. Um, and he said that that was Shelton, you know, punishment him for um killing Migs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you can you can tell the resentment had been building for years. Yes, exactly, exactly. Uh, I've got down here spot Charles Napier as Lieutenant Boyle. Um, yeah. He's in the Blues Brothers and yes. a few other things. So there that one. So Chilton is at hand, of course, to go look at this. I've got Lecter gussied up for you. Look at him, and he's going to give you the information. Then Lecter gives him nothing. I love the his face just falls <laughs> like a fucking lead balloon, you know. <laughs> and there's the line is, tell me, Senator, how will it feel when your daughter's on the slab? Will you feel it in your nipples? Did they harden? Would you chewed on <laughs> like you <such> a... <laughs> you're, like, you're like oh my god you're a sick fuck I mm. mean it'll be a, a very articulate and uh, quick witted one but still mm. yeah said I love the suit <laughs> you know what I mean anyway so cut to uh, a county museum with the media circus outside as Starling seeks in to see Lecter one final time how the fuck should get past all that police and the press and such god only knows and how did she manage to get a hold of Lecter's drawings and other thing? I never got either no because he doesn't tell her where they are he just I mean for all her and Hannibal now they could have been binned mm, exactly they could have been burned been shredded yeah. or something like that I mean or, or ripped to pieces so, hmm. so the glory hound children's outside loving media attention he nor the cameras don't see Cory sneaking in. Bollocks. <laughs> Utter nonsense. I mean, if everybody, if every man's gaze is supposed to be on her, how the fuck she get past that media circus? Yeah, exactly. Without someone going, hold on there. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. What hole they didn't fill. Mm, that's very true. So at the meeting, Cory gives Lecter back his drawings. Uh, and I've got to hear how the fuck she got a hold of their ones. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And then tells Lecter his anagrams are now showing as the false name that he gave Chilton was an anagram for some sort of victim or something like that. And Lecter is sitting in a cell in the middle of the art gallery. And I'm going, okay then, how the hell did they get a jail cell in the middle of a fucking art yeah, gallery? Yeah, exactly. I was like, um... 
erhaltet der Manager? Mm. Uh, I mean, also, I've got down here, the whole point of him being in a glass cell was uh, he was going to grab you and eat you, yet they put mm. him in a jail cell in the middle of an art gallery. How the f- yeah. so all this thing about, oh my God, don't go near the cell, don't do the glass, don't touch the glass, don't do this, don't, do, don't give him this, don't give him that, but you put him in an easily escapable jail cell. Okay then. Yeah, and I... I I seen that and I was like, you know, you would have been just as well sitting them in the middle of the floor and going, you know what, count to 100 and then do what you're about to do in the next scene and get out of here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. Because to lock them in there, it's not going to hold them. No, no, it's not. I mean, I was going to myself, really? You you put him up with this big badass as he's the ultimate head fuck game mind fucker sort of thing and he's ultimate thing he'll try to eat you in a small arcade but you put him in a fucking that was a six by four jail cell come on really i mean yeah ridiculous you have the two most inept cops ever (laughs) (laughs) giving him his his meal sort of scenario so hmm. so then he gets more information from clarice yet again as to why she ran away from her cousin as she tells her about the screaming lambs I'm going, right, you've told Lecter this story three times now, so why is he poking and prodding for more information? Yeah, I don't know. And how were he aware that there was actually anything else to come from that story? Mm, Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he tells her to look into FBI files, it's all in the files. Bill kills what he covets, a fat woman. Uh, he wants to be a woman himself, so he must use the skin of the fat girls to make a woman suit. Okay then. Chilton mm. then bursts in to have Clarice removed by force, licks her hands over the case files, and sets the final part of escape into action. Okay then. So did he actually write in the FBI files little notes for her to read? Or what was going on with that one? He must have done. Because mm. how else would she have known that? No one else knew that about him. And, you know, um, so, yeah, he must have done. Okay. So, Lecter demands a second dinner and he gets it because why would you give a fucking serial killer who's on death row? A fucking second meal when he demands it. He demands what else? Extra bloody lamb steaks. As you do. <laughs> <laughs> and this is his big escape scene as he breaks out of the handcuffs using Chilton's pen and then bashes Lieutenant Boyle's head in. But then he bites his nose off and then he slices the partner's face off. Wow. <laughs> so I can say as well. Yeah. Anyway, according to the research done in the book, he wanted lamb uh, chops because apparently in the book it's a it's a lamb bone. He was just to pick the lock on the handcuffs, not uh-huh. the pen. Right. So that's why he demanded extra rare uh, lamb chops. Hmm. So he strings up Boyle's gutted body and with streamers for some reason. I mean, what the hell? Where did he get the streamers from? At first I thought he duty um internal organs and then yes. I was like, look like them streamers? Where the fuck did they? Oh. <laughs> yeah, I had to get that myself. Um, 
Although if you caught it, uh, that's a reference to Red Dragon. The way he's got it strung yeah. up on that. So, mm-hmm. um, so Lecter lies um, on the ground, pretending to be Boyle's part of the face cut off. He then dumps that um, cop's body down the lift shaft and pretends that that's actually Lecter. As Lecter is wheeled out of the front door with the policeman's face, and then he escapes via the ambulance. I'm going. That was quick. What was that? About ten minutes, and he escaped. <laughs> yeah, easily. <laughs> God Almighty! So Calice is then told Lecter's escape, but she coldly tells him he will not come for me. He'll think it be is rude. How do you know that, love? <laughs> I mean, you're the first woman he's seen in eight years. He knows pretty much everything about you, but you don't think he would go after you because you think it would be rude? You're yeah. putting a lot of faith there, love. Mm. I mean, support, tell yourself whatever to make it through a day knowing the cycle on the list there. Mm. I suppose that's true. That's very true. And we cut to Buffalo Bill making his woman's suit. And this is the whole tucking scene where he goes, would you fuck me? I'd fuck me. It's all stuff <laughs> like, oh, God. So what I've been parodied everywhere yeah 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 also he's wearing one of Catherine's rings on his fingers did you catch that i did i'm going okay he's also wearing uh, what earrings from one of his victims i'm going you're fucking mm." yeah what do you have their skin but you have their jewelry also (laughs) (laughs) well wait not want not eh? that's very true very true so back at the fbi calice and her roommate find a note written by lecter and the hunt is now on. The game is now afoot, so to speak. Mm. So Clarice, all alone, uh, who doesn't have backup? She's a fucking like, I mean, oh my God, where the f- you're going to go against not one, but potentially two serial killers, and you go alone? Really? Yeah. Like, I, mean, I was like, I mean, unless you've got a death wish, um, why would you do that alone? Why would you not wait for backup? You know? Yeah, yeah. Again, brownie point. Higher yes. up the ladder, maybe. She just wants to be the one that stopped Lecter, or the one that stopped Buffalo Bill. I mean, yeah. she's not for herself. She's a fucking idiot. She drives yeah. all the way to Ohio to speak to the father of Bill's first victim. Okay, yeah. then. So she goes from Washington to Ohio. Yeah. Okay, then. And she finds that the bedroom has been untouched. So she walks in, she finds out what the, the first victim was a dressmaker. Also, she she magically finds uh, photographs of the victim wearing sex underwear and having sexually suggestive poses in the music box. You try to say to me, not one FBI or police or anybody picked up that jewelry box and went, oh, look, there's Polaroids. Yeah, I mean, that, like, 101 what they would have looked at when they went in there looking for clue mm. yeah yeah i mean oh i don't know because she's the woman therefore she knows how a woman would would think right yeah that was straining credibility for me i'm going no you try to be the dozens and dozens of times that this house was checked over not one person picked up that jewelry box and went oh look there's photographs nonsense yeah that, exactly i was like yeah, the the, the uh, probability of that being accurate uh, no. Mm. Yeah, yeah, utter nonsense. Mm. So then Cleese calls Crawford to, to tell him 
she knows where Buffalo Bill is and why he needs the fat girls, i.e. The, 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 the woman's suit. But of course, Crawford being a man doesn't want to listen to her and shoots her down left, right and centre. So <laughs> she goes alone to where Buffalo Bill is in Chicago. Yeah. Really, love. I mean, wouldn't you phone the Chicago police or phone somebody else as backup? Fucking yeah, Crawford. And that got that got to me for two things. First of all, she was, you know, fast trapped from the academy to help find Buffalo Bill. So therefore she's done her job and found him and she's like, No basically being told you don't know what you're talking about can't be right. And then, you know, second of all she decides to go on a fucking own anyway. I'm like, yeah. there's no way you'll go to Chicago alone, get a grip. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it's the, the sending is stretching credibility to me. I mean, yes, Crawford's a prick by saying you're just a student, you'll do as you're told. But then mm. why put in the fucking lines then in the first place, you fucking idiot? Exactly. If you're going to pull rank, oh, why the hell did you fast track her to help? Mm. Yeah, this is, this is ridiculous. So this is a set of Clarice as she hunts down the victim's old employer and she stumbles upon Buffalo Bill's lair. Okay then. Yeah. I mean, uh, and this is where the movie goes from ridiculous to what the fuck? As Buffalo Bill is in his lair and he's applying makeup, and this is where Kathleen tricks the dogs into falling down to the well, and he she deliberately hurts that dog. I think she breaks its leg or something like that. So. Hmm. Yeah. And here it is, the infamous. Would you fuck me? I'd fuck you too. As he's wearing part of the bodysuit he's wearing the wig and wearing what the hell was he doing by the way was he actually completely naked or was he wearing like yes mm. I, I I picked it up as he's completely naked okay then so he basically tucks it in and away he goes uh, to the mm-hmm. camera uh, okay then moving on yeah. swiftly so Crawford uh, at the decoy house in Chicago, Khalees stumbles onto the Buffalo Bill's real house. Once mm. she's inside, she's a, f- a moth flying around the place, and she knows it's him. So instead of shooting him right there and fucking then, he runs for it. I'm going, what the fuck are you doing, love? I mean, oh my God. Yeah, so that was your one chance right there, and you fucked up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because for all that could have happened, the film could have ended there and he could have been, you know, gone into obscurity and never to be seen again. Mm. What does he say to her? Uh, the the one about four, was she a big fat woman and all that stuff? I'm going, okay, then you yeah. sort of let slip that you know the missing person. Mm-hmm. So, hmm. And. Yeah. He runs away. I'm going, mate. You've killed at least a dozen people. Why the fuck would you know? Just bum rush Khalees, knock the shit out of her, and lock her up. <laughs> you know, I mean, mm, use her scalp as a fucking ginger wig. <laughs> so he then knocks out the lights and stalks Khalees in the pitch dark with night vision goggles. Okay, then. instead of hitting her over the head, he cocks the gun, and this gives him. So they hurt a chance to fill up full of bullets. Now, I've got to see here, 
even as a kid when I first watched this in 92, I wasn't impressed with this ending. This is a bit of a nothing ending. Um, I was just saying, um, in terms of him stalking her with night vision, um, I I get why why they did that. It was meant to show that he's almost almost playing a version of cat and mouse with her. That's what she if what we saw with Lecter and mm. her. But yeah, they've done it a li- too literal because they had multiple opportunities to just kill each other and not one took it. Yeah, yeah. Until I, she took it, obviously. But yeah, so she fires the. She walks around the, the basement labyrinth, and apparently this was a complete disgusting, filthy set. This thing was a gigantic set, wow. and she shoots out the. What was it? She shoots out the the windows, and then mm-hmm. that blinds Buffalo Bill. And she just fills them with full of bullets. As in the the pit, um, Catherine has the dog, as I said, with a broken leg. But like I say, this ending doesn't quite work for me. Even as a kid, I thought it was anticlimactic. It's like she's stumbling in the dark. He's wearing night vision goggles. He can see what she's doing. He's the ultimate predator, yet he fails to blow her away. Yeah. I mean, it's not anticlimactic, but uh, I don't know. So with the day saved, uh, Catherine and Clarice are free. She graduates, and at the party, she gets a phone call from Dr. Lecter, asking her not to try to hunt him down, as he will not hunt her down. As he hangs up, Dr. Chilton goes off the plane in the Bahamas, and Lecter stalks him for one late dinner. Yeah. As credits finally roll. So, what can I say? I mean, Silence of the Lambs, yes, this is the best of the franchise. This is a taunt, suspenseful tight-ish script with great acting from Hopkins and Foster in some parts but ultimately she's an unlikable character you know mm. she's a, a power hungry fame hungry uh, dare I say it bitch in this thing the last 30 minutes or so lets us down horrendously is this a good movie yes is this a great movie no so what would you say yeah, I completely agree. Like, I mean, it's a film with the most striking and sensational entrance of any character in film history, in my opinion. And the character isn't even fucking moving when his big entrance is revealed. Yes. You know, so for me, Anthony uh, Hopkins' performance, and it's a masterpiece. The guy can't do anything wrong. But, you know, in my opinion... You know, if the the psychological thriller that it's made out to be, no, no, there's not. I wouldn't say so. You know, is it suspenseful and scary? No, the only suspense I felt was before we first see Doctor Lecter, and the mm-hmm. whole bit with you know using a serial killer to to hunt. Or try and help you hunt a serial killer. It didn't work for me. I didn't like that whole premise. I didn't care about Buffalo Bill or his victim, to be perfectly honest. I, I cared more about the dog when it fell in the hole <laughs> than I did anything else. Um, you know, um, it's like I, I just, I was more intrigued by Hannibal. I wanted to find out more about him. You know, we don't really get a lot. Um, you know, it's like that he's seen as like an iconic classic, and I wasn't getting that. For me, it just 
felt too too much of a manipulative movie, which I know it is. She kind Clary gets it from both angles. She gets it from um she gets it from Buffalo Bill mm-hmm. at the end, and she gets it from Hannibal throughout. But it it's almost trying to be. It's almost more manipulative than what it's trying to be. I feel like it's trying to be the sophisticated movie and it kind of falls flat. Mm. Um, and I get that we're meant to feel throughout the movie that we are put in at the deep end the same way uh, Clarissa. Um, but the whole movie and the whole, you know, the whole, um, what's the word I'm looking for, case that Clarice is up again, feel too big. For her, um, yes, yes, you know, that's not to say that I don't like the movie. I, I, I do it. One of those ones where you know, from the minute it's on to the minute it's done, you can't help but be intrigued by what's going to happen in it. It's just mm. a few things for me that, um, you know, p- personally let it fall fall a bit flat. Mm, mm. I mean, ultimately. This is a, a, a two-header movie, mm. but after the the Stalin and Clarice stuff, uh, sorry, the, the the Starling and Lecter stuff, it doesn't work. The, the yeah. whole thing just feels shoehorned in. I mean, the last half an hour just falls to complete fucking pieces. As soon as Lecter escapes the prison cell, I lose interest. Yeah, me you too. Know, I, uh, so I, I feel that they could uh, take Buffalo Bill out and just have it the whole psychological thriller around Hannibal and Clary and it would probably work even better if they came and ran with it and worked it you know better rather than trying to do that whole uh, genius psychopath to catch another psychopath it's like no doesn't Mm. work Although I think that's based off of Ted Bundy because I think they got him Mm. to psychoanalyse some serial killers they did because there was a guy after Bundy was caught. Uh, there was a guy going about trying to almost copycat him. Mm. Um, so he he was hemmed me down and was basically told that I, I imagine it went something like this guy is idolising you and the mm-hmm. at you. What would you do to to um try and get them to try yeah. and get them to help them? But yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. Okay, let's score this one. Um, one being dog shit and five being solid gold. I'm going to give this thing a oh, four out of five. Um, like yeah. I say, it's the last half an hour falls to pieces for me and mm. I don't like Buffalo Bill as a character. Now, this should have been Starling and Lecter yeah. head-to-head or even Starling, Lecter and Chilton head-to-head as mm. they're vying for power. But... Buffalo's Bill thing doesn't work. I mean, though he's the sort of framework, it doesn't work. It should have just been Clarice and Lecter. Absolutely. So, what do you say? Yeah, I'm giving it a four as well. You know, Anthony Hopkins um, makes a movie. Um, and again, everything with Buffalo Bill and it just feels like, just feels like they're trying too hard. It was almost mm. like, you know, yeah, like they took the Ted the Bundy case and were like, Well they used ten to catch us, so let us do it and I was like, Well no. You know. Mm. They should like you said, they should have just focused on um 
Clarice and Hannibal, it would have worked so much better. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to see Chilton's comeuppance because she's just dropped, you know. Mm. It's like I kind of wish that in Hannibal, which is uh, which seemed to be a carry on from mm. this, I wish they should have at least started the very beginning of Hannibal where we found out if Lecter really did have an old friend for dinner mm. and get him and kill him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, how did, what I don't get is how did Lecter get from Washington to the Bahamas? You know, what was news for money for? for all, and how did he get from the Bahamas to Italy to become yeah. the professor of uh, what Italy was in Italy? I mean, uh, but that's um, things for another another day. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so let's drop this one up then. So thank you for listening. Now don't forget to like, share, comment and subscribe. And you can follow us on Twitter at Two Geeks Pod. You can follow me on Twitter at Here's a Johnny's Pod. And you can follow Joanne on Twitter at Two Geeks Joanne. And you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Two Geeks Talk Movies. You can also email us move suggestions to Two Geeks Talk Movies at gmail.com. Now, next week, or not next week, the following week, um, the following podcast rather, is going to be Copycat, yet another serial killer movie. Mm. <laughs> Um, starring Sigourney Weaver and is it Holly Hunter, isn't it? Yeah, it's Holly Hunter. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So one of my personal favourite movies from the nineties. I love this movie. Mm. Um, it's just so cat and mousey to the extreme. <laughs> anyway, I'll stay in chat, but I've got to have an old friend for dinner. Bye. <laughs> Shall we have a lamb chops all round? Mint sauce. <laughs> <laughs>